Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to The Witching Hour. I have a great guest for you this week. You might even get a little deja vu. Like I've seen him before because it's Yule. It's Jason Menke, and he's going to bring his book, The Little Book of Yule, because tis the season. But before we bring on Jason, let me tell you a little bit about this week. If you are listening, watching this when we first drop the week of December 20th, 2021, it's Yule, it's Christmas, it's the solstice, it's everything. We are amidst in the season. But if you were listening to this when we first dropped, I just got back from season screamings. Yes, I did in Pasadena Convention Center. It's kind of a horror con thing. And I did some lovely scary reading with Lisa Morton on the stage. And that was really great. Also, Dropping today, check out Ghost Magnet with the beautiful Bridget Marcourt. It's her Christmas special, and we have a fabulous Christmas special. Test your knowledge. I'm going to be on it. Last year, remember, we did a story the year before we were at Dearly Departed. This year, it's a Quizmas. What? Yes, we are going to be there with Tim Shaw and Naomi Grossman and all sorts of fun people, including me. I'm glad to be there, so check out Ghost Magnet starting today as well. It's a little bit of a quiet week because it is the season and a lot of people are visiting family and taking it off and getting off work. But I am starting a new tarot series, a three-week series on tarot, kind of a tarot hack, the basic one. So it's with your experience. It gives you little ideas. If you've never done it before, you can learn it really fast. Um, ways kind of combining intuitive tarot and then the meanings that they give you in the book and finding your truth in the middle. Um, it's a three-week course. It's a certification course, and that starts Sunday the 26th, the day after Christmas. I also have a holiday seance if you want to talk to your dead loved ones on the 28th. It's a Tuesday seance. That's rare for me. So Tuesday the 28th, come talk to your dead folks. Both you can find at University Magicus. Okay, hi everybody, my favorite time every week, it's the Willow Report. It's the Willow Report, the holiday Willow Report. Um, and of course, she is my daughter, my little fur baby. Willow is becoming a psychic reader and tarot reader. Yep, yep, she is. Um, <clears throat> she's got tarot cards. Yes, yes, she does, little tarot cards. Actually, this was supposed to be Larry's, it's got catnip in it. But she claimed it. She wants her own. And the other thing she's got, because if you know me, you know I love these things. She's got her very own crystal ball. Yep, she's got her very own crystal ball. She loves it so much. You know what? She loves it so much. This shows how psychic she was. As just last week, I was packing for Perry Unity in Las Vegas. Um, she likes to help me pack a lot. Often she removes things like, I know I packed some panties and socks. Where are they? On the living room floor. But what she did do, as I'm opening my suitcase, she packed a crystal ball. I was going to Perry Unity. Of course I would need a crystal ball because she's psychic dog. Yes, she is. We just also got her some Ouija board tennis balls. So she's going to learn Ouija board divination by fetch. That could be a first. Anyway, that's the Willow Report for today. She's a psychic. <laughs> okay, for this week's magic, we are going to talk about 
the new year. We are really, really close. We are edging up to New Year's. So New Year's is a funny time. People make New Year's resolutions and they want all these great things. And then people are like, oh, don't make a New Year's resolution. You won't keep it. It's the worst time to start something new. It's neither. It's a new year. It might be a good time to start something new. But let me give you another idea of how I work magically to make the new year what you want it to be, whether or not you do resolutions or not. Here's a couple tips that I work with when you might want to decide on the new year, whether you want you want to lose this, you want to gain this, you want to get a new job, you want to get a boyfriend, you want to get a girlfriend, whatever. What if we just start out with, in this new year, I'm going to do something different every day. One thing different every day. Because the thing we all fall into is patterns and habits. And we get up and we go to work and we do whatever we're supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, life becomes this pattern. All the good stuff comes outside the patterns. So if you just say a few little things like, I'm going to do something different every day. It could be anything. It could be wear your hair in a way you never wear it. It be a weird lipstick. It could get a different way going to work. But you're breaking habits and patterns. And when you break those habits and patterns, if you do want to make some big changes like those resolutions, they're going to come a whole lot easier because you're not going to break into patterns. And the other thing that I think is the most magical thing you can do is do something that scares you a little bit every day scares you just a little bit every day. Now, I don't mean like jumping off a mountain or jumping out of a plane without a parachute. I mean something that's a little bit of a challenge, ah, a little bit of a challenge. Because remember, all the good stuff comes outside your comfort level. All the good stuff outside that little box where we live, good, bad, and everything in the middle. So fear could freeze us in our tracks. Fear can make us not do what we want to do, not make that phone call, not sign up for that class, not take that trip. Or as I say often, fear's a million dollar industry. We pay money to go to scary movies, to watch ghost adventures. We pay money to ride roller coasters and do all sorts of great things. So why not that energy that we do like, I'm so scared to do this, but I'm going to do it. Why don't we take to that, I'm going to sign up for a class I'm worried about or make that phone call or talk to my boss about this situation. So if you do something that scares you a little bit and you go, wow, I, 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 I survived and it was kind of fun. It survived and it was kind of fun. You're going to see how fun life, side, life is outside that little comfort box of yours. Because again, that's where all the good stuff is. I promise. You might get crazy just like me and start doing insane things like trying out for MasterChef or Wipeout or America's Got Talent because it is kind of addictive doing that really scary stuff that you just have to hold your breath and jump in. But start out with a different color lipstick. So remember, every day is a brand new day. The more we can fall out of patterns, phoned in, automatic pilot, asleep at the wheel, the more magic you're going to find in every day. So start the new year right with two simple things, something different every day and something a little bit scary, just a little bit. You're going to have a good 2022. Wow. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. If you are listening to this when we first drop, it is the week of Christmas, Yule, whatever you choose to celebrate. Well, around here, we choose to celebrate Yule. And for that fact, I have on an amazing guest. 
He might be a little bit of deja vu. He might look a little bit familiar because I just had him on recently. And he's so fabulous and I like him so much. We're going to have him again. So let me tell you a little bit about Jason Makey. He's a third degree gardenarian witch. He runs two covens in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's a speaker. He's an author. He's a leader in our community. Welcome back, Jason. I'm like blushing, like really hard. It's Thank true. you. You're so, it's, you're so nice to me. Thank you. It's good to be back. You're welcome. So it is Yule. It is Christmas. It all there's all sorts of names for the different holidays we celebrate. But you have a book, don't you? You have a book about Yule. I did. This came out last year, the height of the pandemic. Llewellyn's little book of Yule. It's a very inclusive broad look at the holiday season history. There's a lot of little magical things that you can do. There's a lot of recipes in the book. It's really one source, like one shop stopping for Yuletide. I love that. So for people going, we know it's the sauce Yule, and they've, again, a lot of people are new to the path or a pagan path or a witchcraft path. Kind of explain Yule. They hear Yule log. Is it confused with Christmas? What's the difference? So Yule is kind of a complicated word to unpack because it has three really different sort of meanings. So at the beginning, there is a Norse Germanic celebration called Yule. And these are the Vikings and they celebrated a holiday mostly in December, though how long they celebrated is sort of an open question. There are people who think that their celebration of Yule began November 15th and lasted till about January 15th, which is a pretty long chunk of celebration. There are others who think that it was probably maybe only a week or two. We do know that always within that period of time was the winter solstice. So they were celebrating the winter solstice to some degree. After those areas were Christianized, the word Yule began to be used as a synonym for Christmas. So if you're in various parts of Europe and someone says Happy Yule, they're basically saying Happy Christmas. They're not really saying that it is specifically the solstice or anything. And then there's how modern witches and pagans celebrate the winter solstice, which we call Yule. And instead of a two-day or a two-month celebration or a two-week celebration, it's more focused on just that one day, the winter solstice. The winter solstice for modern witches and pagans can be many different things. For most of us, it's a celebration about the rebirth of the sun because the days are now going to get longer after the shortest day. There's a lot of overlap with Christmas celebrations and things. It can be a very joyous and festive time. For the Norse who celebrated the original Yule, it was a completely festive time. They loved that time of year. They were celebrating because, well, they didn't have to work because everything was frozen. So there was no work to do. They were celebrating because all of the crops they'd harvested had been turned into booze. So there was mead and there was <laughs> beer to drink and there was wine in some places. It was also a time of abundance when it came to meat because you would cull your herd in October and November because you couldn't afford to feed those animals all through the long winter. But because it's also winter, you can store the meat. So you have fresh meat to eat all winter long, especially during the early part of it in December. So it was a big celebration for them. It was also a time of ghost stories and they lit candles to drive away the darkness just like we do today. That's beautiful. Um, so we have, uh, I'm looking through your book. I mean, I don't have your book yet, but I have your book almost. Um, you have a lot of exercises in the book. Now, what are exercises starting like with Saturnalia wine or how do you so, exercise wine? <laughs> so, yeah, it, you know, if you want to lose 10 pounds, drink Saturnalia wine. Really? So, no, no, no. Oh, I was, was going to say. 
you're going to be a billionaire. <laughs> so my book, the Llewellyn's Little Book of Yule, is part of a series called the Little Book Series. They're meant as introductions to various ideas. There's the Little Book of Halloween. There's a Little Book of Unicorns. And so they're a mix of history and tips and magical practices. And the exercises are usually arts and crafts or magical things to do. And so a lot of the exercises in this book are about making certain alcoholic drinks because <laughs> alcohol has long been a big part of the season. So one of the first exercises in the book is a formula for Saturnalia wine, which comes from an old Roman recipe because it was very, very popular. Now, it's not a particularly good wine. I don't think that most of us would like drinking it today. You boil it, you put saffron in it. It is very different than what we tend to drink. And then they usually drank it like at room temperature. So it gets even kind of worse when you think about it. Uh, but, you know, that was a huge part of their celebrations. And if you want to bring the Saturnalia into your life, here is a way to kind of pretend to be a Roman. The Saturnalia is one of my favorite of all the old pagan holidays. Me too. Such an influence and impact on later celebrations of Christmas and so much of what we do this time of year, so much of how we decorate all comes from that Roman celebration of Saturnalia. Saturnalia was celebrated for about a week from the 16th through the 23rd in Rome. So the winter solstice was a part of that celebration. But like the Norse, it was a time to eat, drink and be merry. It was a time to decorate with evergreen boughs and mistletoe and holly and apparently to drink this really bad wine. <laughs> it's only bad first glass or two, I'm sure. Yeah, I I drink Retsina, which is Greek wine aged in barrels that have been sealed with pine tar. So I could pro I can handle it, but it's not going to be everybody's palate. The book also has other alcoholic recipes. There's one for lamb's wool, which is a traditional English drink during the holiday, which is made from beer and pureed apples, which, you know, I'm allergic to beer, so I couldn't try it, try it. Uh, but you, you froth it up, and then the froth looks like lamb's wool, which is the name of the drink. And then, of course, wassail, which is pretty, pretty famous. There's yes. two different wassail recipes in the book. Oh, that's beautiful. So if somebody's going, okay, I want to add a little Yule in whichever form that it is to their life. Maybe they've grown up with Christmas or some commercialized version of Christmas. What are some of the traditions of Yule that you either talk about or you want to talk about? So when I became a witch, I was always worried, do I have to give up Christmas? Because uh -huh. I loved Christmas as a kid. That was like my favorite holiday. I still love it. Looks like Christmas threw up all over my living room. So I was like really worried, right? Because I didn't want to do this Jesus thing anymore. And then I looked into sort of the traditions that we do this time of year. And most of them have very little to do with Christianity. And many of them predate Christianity by quite a bit and go back to things like the Saturnalia. So how we decorate today, you know, Put up all of the evergreen and holly that you want. It's very, very traditional. It's very, very pagan in its own way. The singing of carols this time of year was something that the Romans did at Saturnalia. And then a holiday that happened right afterwards called the January Calends because they celebrated the first of every month. 
So while they were celebrating the new year, they continued to leave up all the evergreens and holly, and they continued to get drunk, and they sing crazy carols and stuff. So those are all things that we can do. The Norse and the Romans at Saturnalia, they all lit candles to drive away the darkness. And when I think of Yule as a modern witch, when I'm celebrating it in a very spiritual sense, I celebrate the rebirth of the sun because it's the days are going to get longer. Oftentimes you have like goddesses and gods attached to this myth of the wheel of the year, you know, where they age throughout the year and then are reborn. And sun deities are the ones that would be reborn on the winter solstice. You know, I was talking to somebody earlier. It's like everybody honors the sun this time of year. It just, do you use an O or do you use a U? That's the big question. You know? Exactly. It's right. light, considered light either which way. So they do, there's, if you take it down to energy, it's energy. So. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that light is the promise of things to come, like all of the things that we have to look forward to in the new year. Uh, there's some rituals that I've read and stuff where they talk about like Yule and the child of promise, you know, and I love that idea that there's all this promise that is coming to us right at, in December. Like we have so much to look forward to as the days get longer and better. Another thing that I love about Yuletide is it's sort of an introspective holiday. There's always a lot of things going on. There's a lot of parties, you know, like I had a party last week, having people over tonight and tomorrow, you know, it's a very festive time. But it's also a very quiet time, and the darkness allows us to reflect on where we've been and where we're going. And no matter where you live, no matter how busy of a place that where you live, if you go outside like the 24th, the 25th, somewhere in there, and after the sun is set and it's dark and it's cold, you'll be surprised by how quiet it is. It always seems to like there's like this hush over the world during this period of time, and I love that. That's beautiful. I'm I'm going to do that in mere days and <laughs> go see stand outside. Yes, it's quiet in Hollywood. Ah, it, it is a miracle. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, because I'm just going through all these things that you're talking about: candles and divination, and even even tarot. Or I, I just did a tarot tree at for para yeah. unity for my paranormal. So tell, talk about some tarot ornaments. Have what have you done with that? You know, like when I was poor and young and didn't have much money to really decorate uh, Christmas trees, you know, like I had random tarot cards floating around and their tarot cards are so colorful, right? And they have so many meanings and oftentimes the surfaces are really reflective. So, you know, we just took a hole punch and put them on the tree and kind of got to, you know, every day you kind of go to the tree and you look at it and you're like, I wonder what today is going to bring. And then whatever tarot card catches your eye, it's kind of like you're reading for the day. But they make great ornaments if you have extra ones lying around. Or you like a particular deck and you just want to decorate your tree with tarot cards. It works really, really well. It does. I mean, I, I didn't even know you had done that. And we just did that for my paranormal. And it's great. And the gods may insert a picture right here of the tarot tree. I'm not sure. We'll just see if there's any special effects there. But yeah, it was really fun. I actually did a spread. I laid out the cards in some spreads of 
what this tree was going to say. So it was really fun. Um, you also talk about, again, just this, I love this season too. I'm wearing every outfit I have right now, 14 outfits to be exact, in all the colors of the reds and the greens and the Yule colors that we traditionally do. Um, but you have tips. So, so what are your, some of your tips for, when is it? Four quick magical fixes for Yuletide entertaining. My people uh, like to entertain. I know they do. Oh, wow. Like you're making me quote the book. Uh, you know, no, you, you, you can paraphrase. I promise. You know, I mean, there are things that we can do magically to make things smoother and better. I think a lot of us know that salt drives away negativity. So, you know, like putting a ball of salt out and putting like a little piece of holly in it or something just looks like a Christmas decoration. But you can use it to sort of soak up the bad energy of Uncle Larry if he's coming over for dinner or something. You know, there's just ways you can smooth things out. Um, we love Clary Sage at our house because it seems to make people kind of focus a little bit more and improve communication. So, you know, before people come over, we just, you know, spray a little bit out around the house. So then they're coming in, they're breathing that, and hopefully they're interacting with others better. But, you know, there's all the, all the oils that we use as witches, all the incenses, all the scents and things. We can put those to work, uh, yeah. you know, to fight negative energy and to keep things running smoothly. I love that. I The salt thing, you just hit me over the head. That's great. Just literally, just last night, I was clearing a house. I was working with a woman and her daughter, and they're like, what can we do that on, you know, on, on the Christmas day, we're going to have all these relatives we don't like over. I'm like, I'm trying to give her these different little things that you do, but salt in a bowl with a little bit of holly in it. That's kind of brilliant. Thank you. I'm, thank you. Don't yeah. get called brilliant very often. So I'm going to run with that. Go <laughs> run with it. Run with yeah. it. I like the simple things I like. Yeah, that is <laughs> good. Um, so um, I do see one of your chapters, and this is one of my favorite things. Uh, so tell us the religious significance of Elf on a Shelf. Oh, I hate Elf on a Shelf so much. I like, you know, if people want to do that, that's great. Um, I think those elves look creepy myself, but that's just me, you know. But <laughs> Elf on a Shelf is one of the things about this time of year is it feels like everything about it is old, right? Like everything that we do, maybe our grandparents did and their grandparents before them. But sometimes a lot of these traditions are pretty new and they arise and then it feels like they've been there forever. So like Elf on a Shelf only really dates from the early 2000s when uh, there was a book released called Elf on a Shelf and then all of the merchandise and things. So, I mean, but it took off really fast. And the idea, of course, of Elf on a Shelf is... The elf is there watching you all the time to make sure that you're good and talking to Santa. There's a long tradition, though, of figures sort of reporting on whether or not you're good or bad. So while Elf on a Shelf might be new, there are other figures like that. My favorite is the Krampus. I think you are dressed impeccably today, but I'm wearing a Krampus uh, sweater today because I love the Krampus. And the Krampus is one of those figures that's going through this huge revival right now. There's Krampus runs. There's a big Krampus ball in LA. You know, it's, it is a big deal right now. And the Krampus is this several hundred year old figure. The first written record of the Krampus is late dates from the 1600s. And it's this sort of Christmas demon. And that's what he's called sometimes who goes door to door on Krampus night, which is December 5th 
And then now sometimes also on Christmas Eve and other times. And he checks up on the children. And he always carries a switch. I was just talking to someone who lived in Austria. And she'd lived there. And Krampus knocks on her door. And their mo her mother answers the door. And, you know, has your daughter been good this year? And she's like, not really. And then this Krampus hit her with a switch. <laughs> and the mom's like, no, she hasn't been that bad. But that it's a long tradition. And then... The next day, St. Nicholas Day, Krampus is checking on the children to see if St. Nicholas should give them gifts that night. Uh, the most menacing thing that the Krampus does is he's got a basket on his shoulders. And if you're a really bad child, he'll put you in the basket and whisk, and whisk you to hell. You know? <laughs> and I, I love the Krampus. No one's exactly sure where the Krampus came from. You know, there's could it be like an old pagan idea or something? No one's really sure. But. People used to dress in animal skins around the holidays, uh, dress like animals and stuff. That's a tradition called mumming, which has gone through several mutations over the centuries. So he could come from there, you know, but it's great that he's muscle. There's some great 19th century postcards with Krampus with his tongue sticking out, housewives <laughs> looking at him longingly. So he's kind of like the sexual id of the holiday season, which is really great because when those postcards became popular, the holiday was sort of being purged, Christmas especially, purged of its more rowdy elements. So Krampus is a way to get in touch with that. So I know you were talking about Elf on a Shelf. I went for Krampus. because Go, no, go. Uh, go for I, Krampus. I, I was going to get think, there, so you're reading my mind anyway. I think you would mind anyways. I thought you would be down. But yeah. But, you know, like the Elf on a Shelf is in a way kind of that evolution of Krampus, right? And because they're both that deterrent for children. You know, the bad cop to Santa's good cop. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, so what about, okay, speaking of Santa, what about, you have, do you, you, you include Santa in your book of Yule? We do. Santa has a big chapter. Uh, for me, Santa has always been sort of the real spirit of Yuletide more than anything else. You know, like you go to the store, what do you see? Santa. Santa, Santa, Santa everywhere. And Santa is a figure with a really fascinating evolution. The first, the original Santa, of course, you know, he's called St. Nicholas in a lot of places. And that's a tradition that began in the 12th century in Paris, France. Children were demanding gifts. Nuns were like, how can we make these kids act better? And they said, what if we told them that St. Nicholas was going to bring them a gift if, if they were good? So they told the children that, then they handed out the presents, and the children did act better. They were less, you know, demanding <laughs> during that time of year. And this tradition of St. Nicholas as a gift giver sort of began to spread throughout Europe. St. Nicholas is a saint of sort of dubious origins. That's There's not really a whole lot of information about him. Some people don't think he was real at all. When traditional depictions of St. Nicholas are of a Byzantine saint, so he's got brown hair and a brown beard. He doesn't look anything like Santa Claus. But he gets to the Netherlands and he goes through a transformation. And all of a sudden he's got a white beard and white hair and he looks completely different. And he looks a lot like the Norse god Odin all of a sudden. And he visits while riding a magical horse. And do you know who else rode a magical horse? Odin rode a magical horse. So it's likely that the idea of St. Nicholas as a gift giver mixed with some like ideas about the god Odin and 
So then you have this version of St. Nicholas being celebrated in the Netherlands, and it comes over to the United States eventually. And in 1821, there's a book called The Children's Friend that's published, and it talks about a figure now known as Santa Claus, one word instead of mm. St. Nicholas. And he's a, like he drives a sleigh, no horse anymore, but he's got reindeer driving his horse and he wears a red and a white fur coat instead of the saintly robes of Nicholas. If you see St. Nicholas in the Netherlands, you know, he's pretty regal. This is a more sort of frontiersman Santa, a little more wild. And then after that book, just two years later, a poem called A Visit from St. Nicholas, which we know much better as The Night Before Christmas comes out. And that changes everything. Uh, all of a sudden, it's like the most popular poem in the English language. Everybody knows it's the night before Christmas and all through the house, you know. Yeah, everybody knows that poem. Yes. And it like spread the idea of Christmas and Santa Claus all over the United States and then back to Europe, changed his name. In that poem, you see Santa Claus as two words as we know them today. You see the establishment of eight reindeer, you know, that, which we still have today, those eight reindeer, you know, and Rudolph, depending on how you feel about him. And, <laughs> you know, and the tradition kind of evolves from there, too, in the 1850s and 1860s. A political cartoonist named Thomas Nast begins to draw pictures of Santa. He draws even sort of a rougher Santa in some ways. He had grown up in uh, Austria, I think, and his Santa was very much dressed in wild furs. There's a tradition of a figure called the Bell Snickle. Uh, he showed up on an episode of The Office once of all crazy places. And the Bell Snickle, you know, looks a little more rough and ready. And Nast used that sort of image to suffer some of his Santa. So he's kindly, but he, you know, he looks like he's ready to go live in the woods. Uh, Nast establishes Santa's living at the North Pole and having a crystal ball to check up on children. And, you know, and it just kind of goes from there. The Coca-Cola ads beginning in the 1930s made Santa taller and less rugged looking, you know, just a little more dapper in a way. And yeah, yeah. you know, but this is a, you know, 800 years of the evolution of Santa Claus. That's uh, awesome. You know. Yeah. We love Santa. I still I, believe in Santa. <laughs> you know, I I still do. And when we do Coven, we invoke Santa. Like, you know, to me, he's the spirit of Yule. Like, I don't know if he's a god or whatever, but there's power and energy. Exactly. Absolutely. A yeah. worldwide known thing. I think that's beautiful. So speaking of Coven and going into, I I do, I don't ever want to lose the fun. That's why I like Saturnalia too, the fun parts of the holiday and singing or drinking if you drink and just playing and partying because we need that. We need that after a crazy year always. Um, so, but, but what about if somebody's going, okay, I am in a Coven or I want to start a Coven or I, I want to see what the spirituality of this season is. What are some of the things you suggest or that maybe you do with your covens? I like the the raucousness of, of Yule. So traditionally, like we like we make our own wassail during like ritual and we put things in it to get us through the new year. So like we throw dimes in the, the apple wassail to reflect negative energy. You know, we put 
cloves in it because we want a little spice in our lives and those kind of things. So we're kind of drinking in the energies of those sort of things. Um, you know, Yule is one of those holidays. It's really what you make of it. I mean, it can be that loud, crazy holiday. It can, you know, it can look like, you know, a big party like it was for a very long time when people were celebrating the Saturnalian Christmas. But again, there's that time to sort of look inward, you know, yeah. and to have those quiet moments. You know, this time of year, I love just sitting in my living room with all the lights off, but the little blinking lights, the little holiday lights, and uh, just sort of like feeling all that festive energy, but also the darkness and the stillness of everything yeah. else around me. I I love that. I mean, there's no chir there's no crickets chirping or anything, you know, you lose a lot of these other sounds during the winter and we, it's easy to take for granted, but to take a moment to stop and think about where we are on the wheel of the year and what makes this time of year different than other times of year. I love it. And I agree. So um, before we wrap up, we're going, it, it is Yule. It is the week of Yule. If you're listening to it, when it first drops, we have a new year coming in. Any words of wisdom, suggestions, thoughts for my folks for either the holiday season now or what's coming or the well, wisdom of you? One of the Jade. things I Oh, one of the things I love so much about Yule is, and you know, why we say happy holidays is there's so many holidays that are happening right now. And I can always see what I do reflected in what other people do. You know, there's, you know, do you celebrate the sun with a U or with an O? You know, when I was going to church, you know, when I was in high school, we used to do, you know, New Year's Eve services where we would light candles in darkness. You know, candles don't really have a whole lot to do with Jesus. That's what Romans were doing. That's what the Norse were doing. So, you know, it, it feels like no matter what someone is doing, there's a way to connect it to magic. There's a way to connect it to ancient pagandoms. And to me, this is the most magical season of the year. I know a lot of witches are more sound people, and I get that. I, You know, I love it, too. But this is a time of year and people go, I'm expecting a Christmas miracle. No one expects <laughs> a Thanksgiving miracle, right? It's right. always it's always a Christmas miracle. Uh, there's a time, this is a time of year when society expects magic. And that's really rare in our greater world today. As witches, I think it's a part of our lives. But away from witchcraft, a lot of people, eh, magic. But December, it's something that they embrace. And what is Santa Claus or the Krampus, if not a magical being, right? Exactly. I mean, giving a, a billion presents to children all over the world in 24 hours. To me, that's magic. And, uh, you know, soak it up. And I think when we feel that magic, you know, there is kind of a feeling of goodwill this year. There is kind of a feeling of people often being nicer to each other, unless they're out shopping, maybe. But, you know, <laughs> really nicer to each other when you can bring that inside of you and put it out within your own magic. You know, take advantage of everything that's percolating around you. I love it. So everybody, so let everybody have a beautiful Yule and whatever you call it. I've changed the word holiday to everything. It's not a Christmas tree. It's a holiday tree. Is that way I won't offend. It's not a Hanukkah bush. It's not a Christmas tree. Holiday. It's the holiday. It's my holiday tree. My, um, and I'm very excited. And I'm going to go get my holiday tree tomorrow, you, I think. You don't have a tree yet? Oh. No. I've been on the road. I've been on the road. But I do have a beautiful tarot tree, which I will see again tomorrow. And I saw last week in Vegas. Uh, my, my tree travels with, with my paranormal. <laughs> um, but I want to, yeah. 
So anyway, tell my beautiful, beautiful friends out there where they can know more about you, your book, and what all you're doing. I'm easily found online. I'm like the Jason Mankey that comes up first in a Google search. You know, I'm on Instagram as the Silicon Valley witch now. It feels like everybody wants to attach where they're from, you know, so I'm I'm going to run into that. Uh, Twitter at Pan Mankey, my favorite god with my last name. You know, I'm pretty easy to find. Don't scroll too far down, though. There's a Christian minister with my name. That guy... That guy must hate his life sometimes. I am sure. With people trying to find him and they get you. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just trying to show them a better way. Exactly. Ooh, the Jasons versus the Jasons. Anyway, um, thank you. You guys check out his book. Um, check out this book, The Little Book of Yule. Check out his Horn God book. And um, we have something else coming out from you soon. I'm releasing The Witch's Book of Spellcraft in March. The first week of March. So, yeah, I've been very prolific the last couple of years. It's because you couldn't leave the house. It's true. I couldn't. <laughs> there was nothing else to do. I didn't have much choice. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jason. You guys, just check him out. Thank you. Celebrate Yule however you want to. Keep it fun. I, I still, I think we might want to go back to that two-month thing, though. I <laughs> Just go from Samhain to the new year. That'll work. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Let's let's make it as long as possible. Yep. So thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on The Witching Hour. 